we are not, let me just kind of give you a disclaimer, a heads up. We are not going to answer a lot of questions today. Now, we are going to answer many, many questions through the course of the next five weeks. But today, we want to spend today helping you understand why we need the answers that we're going to be providing over the next four weeks after today. We're going to help you understand, understand some questions. So maybe, have you ever said, you make me so mad have you ever said that? Have you ever said, you, you make me so sad? <clears throat> or you make me happy? Or you make me unhappy? Let me tell you what that looks like. When, when, we, were, when we are in those emotions, let me kind of tell you how, what that looks like. So A, letter A, A happens. Whatever A might be, something happens. We're going to call that A. A happens, and we go to C, which is our reaction or the way we feel about something. And you might say, well, Harley, if we go from A to C, I've had some algebra, and I know there should be maybe a B. What, what happened to the B in the middle? It seems we go from A straight to C, from something happening, whatever that might be, to a feeling about that or a reaction to that, what happened to B? Well, we're going to get back to B in just a moment. So let's go back to A. A happens, whatever that is. Someone does something to you, they say something to you, or something just happens to you or around you. And you go from A, whatever that is that happens, to C, which is you react or you feel, and then you're saying something like, you make me so mad, you make me so mad, or you make me sad, or you make me happy, or you make me unhappy. And we believe that what we feel about that in this area of C, we believe that is true. And we believe it wholeheartedly. We think that that person or that thing, whatever it is that happened, made us feel or do something specific. We really believe that. And here's the truth. We're going to give you some truth here, but we're going to prove this later on. But here's the truth. No one, absolutely no one, is making you feel miserable. Here's the truth. Your happiness and my happiness, your happiness is in your own hands and it always has been. Your happiness, you have always been and will always be 100% responsible for your quality of life. No one, no one can take that job of your happiness away from you. However, you can give that job. They can't take it from you, but you can give them that job. Now, we want to show you over, uh, today, and then we're going to answer questions over the course of the series, but we want to show you that if you are miserable or hurting because of something that someone has done to you, or 
or because of something you don't have, or because of some circumstance you find yourself in, or because of something you lost, or because of something that doesn't work, then you have relinquished control of power of your life over to that person or to that circumstance. Let me give you an example. Two people, one scenario. Let's look at the first person. The first person does not like snakes at all. They hate snakes, probably a lot like you and me. They hate snakes. They're walking through their yard. They spot a snake in the grass. Instantly, they jump back. Their heart begins to race. They get away as quickly as they can. They go find a hoe or a gun, and they either chop up the snake (laughs) or into little snake pieces, or they shoot the snake, right? That's person, uh, the first person, right? That's our reaction. Person number two. Person number two happens to be a herpetologist. Now, that's a different story. They see a snake in the grass, and they're pleasantly surprised. It's like, oh, a snake! And they lean in. They don't back off. They lean in for a closer look. They're happy to find it. And then they just step around the snake, and they keep working in the yard as the snake just meanders and slips off into the flower bed. Two people, one situation, two completely different responses. Why? The first person is afraid of the snake. They think the snake might bite them or chase them down and bite them. They think the snake might be venomous. Person number two, not afraid. They take a closer look and they see, oh, it's just a garden snake or, oh, it's just a rat snake. And I know, they know, this actually helps my yard and my area. It keeps the rodents down or the king snake kills venomous snakes. It's good for me to have this snake around. So A happens. Snake happens. That's the event. B, letter B. We don't think about letter B. We go straight to C, which straight to C kind of actions and kind of our feelings about it and the actions we take. We go from A straight to C. The only difference between the first person and the second person in this example is the letter B in the middle. That's the only difference. And the B for us today stands for belief. This is how it works. A happens. Something happens. An event, someone says something, they do something, you experience something. A happens. And without even thinking about it, our belief that we have deep down inside of us, our belief tells us what to do with C. Our feelings and our actions, our reactions. It's all about the B. A, it doesn't matter what happens. 
It's all about the B. Our belief then tells us what we're going to feel, and it tells us what we're going to do, say, how we're going to react, what we're going to do. It's all about the B. Our beliefs are so powerful that they have control over our actions and our feelings. Which is why we say to someone, you make me feel whatever. But the truth is, that's just something that happened. What we feel about it, or what we do about it, has everything to do with what we believe. And I'm going to be honest with you. It only has to do with what we believe. And we're going to prove this to you. We're going to prove it. We're not just going to suggest it. This morning, this is all about laying the groundwork for how God can amazingly change your tomorrow. Where do these beliefs that we have come from? Where do we get them? Well, one place that we get these beliefs is from early childhood uh, teenage and young adult experiences. That's one place we get these beliefs, the beliefs that land into our heart. For instance, um, maybe you had a grandmother or a grandfather or a, a dear relative that was very, very sick or very ill. And maybe this person was extremely good. They, and maybe they loved God and followed God and prayed to God they were a good person, honest and full of integrity, a great person by everyone's standard. And maybe you prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and said, God, will you heal my grandmother? Will you just, and you prayed over and over and over again, and you got a lot of people to pray for your grandmother, but maybe your grandmother died anyway. And maybe because of that experience, you drew a conclusion, a belief, and your belief said, well, God just doesn't listen. I mean, he may be out there, but he doesn't listen to me or us. Or maybe you drew a conclusion, a belief that said, well, God just doesn't care. God would not allow this to happen if he cared. He just doesn't care. Or maybe, maybe you came to the belief that said this, God is not there. You see how things we experience, we can develop beliefs from those that we hold deep inside. Here's one from my personal life. Let me share this one with you. When I, Harley, am physically tired or emotionally tired, for me, it is okay to eat what I want and as much as I want. It's true. It is okay because... I know that food helps me feel better, and I shouldn't have to feel that way, so the food helps me, and I know I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't, but guess what? Really, after the week uh, I've had, I have said this before in my life, I really deserve to go to that buffet. <laughs> I deserve that. And you know what? When I eat, I'm not thinking about all that junk in my life. I mean, I may be developing some junk in the trunk, but I'm not thinking about the junk in my life. And here's what my belief is 
Here's what my belief is. It says this deep inside. Here's my belief. It says it is okay to do something that I know is wrong or bad for me if it helps me feel better. You see, A happens and I go straight to the action of, well, let's just eat. And the belief is deep inside, well, it must be okay because I don't feel good. That's one place we get these, just from early childhood, teenage, and young adult experiences. But here's a second place we get our beliefs. A second place you can inherit some of your beliefs. You just inherit them from your family, from a parent, maybe a grandparent. Um, maybe if you do something wrong or if you do something kind of mean-spirited towards somebody or even immoral or something that you, you just know it's not right, but you do it, then maybe you believe you better, you better go and do something good. Since you did that thing wrong, you better go do something good to make up for it because grandma always told you God's going to get you if you don't. God is going to get you. And here's the belief behind that. So the action is I did something wrong and I go straight to, oops, I better go make up for that. And here's the belief behind that. The belief is and we can inherit this maybe from parents, grandparents, for aunts and uncles. It can go back generations. The belief is that God is the judge and he's holding a scale. And on one side, he places all your bad things and it tilts the scale. You've tilted it in the wrong direction. So you're thinking God's the judge. I've got to add good things on this side to balance the scale out. And if I do just enough good to make up for the wrong, then I will tilt the scale in my favor and the judge will clear me. That's a belief that we can have and it can be developed from generation to generation. Here's another one. Now, the next example, we're not going to be talking about this topic through the series. This is just an example I'm pulling out to help us understand how beliefs motivate us, change us. Perhaps maybe um, when uh, April rolls around and, uh, and May, you get your tax refund check back. And you think, yes, I can go get that 55-inch TV. Yes, I got it. So we get it back and you go get it. Or maybe you go put down a down payment on a boat and then you make payments for, for years and years to pay off the rest. There's something here. Now here's the belief. So the action was got some money. I mean, the, the event that happened, got some money. We go straight to C, which is action or feelings. And the feeling is woohoo. And the action is let's go spend it. Here's the belief behind that. It is okay to get now to get something now if I really want it. In other words, I don't have to plan, I don't have to save, I don't have to prepare. I can just go ahead and get it now if I really want it. There's, that's a belief behind that. Maybe you work and you work and you work to pay bills and most of them are paid on time, some of them at the last minute, but every once in a while one's a bit late. But if there's anything left on a particular week or a month, then we, can, we see that, and maybe you consider that play money. And so maybe you can go put down and get something, a, a big toy. I always throw in boat because it's the easiest thing to, to throw in there. 
And maybe you put some money down on it and then you pay, you pay and you create a new bill for yourself. Because after all, you've worked hard during the week and you can play hard on the weekends with your things. That's why you, we get the things, so we can play hard. It is, after all, the American dream. We work hard to pay for things for ourselves or to pay for things for our kids. So we just kind of spend everything we have, everything that's available. And in fact, many times our checks are spent before we ever get our check. It's already all accounted for and all spent. No savings, just spending. And for many of us, this is an inherited family tradition. It's the way we were raised. And, he, and so the, the event is, there's a little bit of money left over this month. We go straight to see which is, how can we spend it? The belief behind that is, what I want now is more important than preparing for the future. It's a belief. And so often we have inherited that. So some of our beliefs that we have, I know it's getting really quiet in here, which means I have just stomped on a toe and I am so sorry. Draw those suckers back under that chair. They're going to be a lot safer. We learn some of these things by just our own experiences as children, teenagers, and young adults. Some of these things we inherit from our family. But here's the third way. The third way we get these things is, is this, our culture tells us, hey, it's okay. It's okay. Now, let me give you a scenario. You're, you're in the dating scene. She likes you. You like her. I mean, you got the goo-goo eyes for each other. And it progresses, it progresses, it progresses. And... You know, it comes to the point you f your relationship physically progresses and, and you begin sleeping together. Now, you know, you know, because maybe you were raised in church or you went some with your grandparents or your parents. And maybe, you know, that God says, really, really, my plan is for you to wait until you're married before you have a sexual relationship. But you say, I, but, you know, that was so long ago. I mean, that was, that was the first century. This is, this is today. And, I, you know, God understands because we really love each other. And she is going to be my wife eventually. She, she's going to be my wife. God understands. This is just the way it is today. God understands. I can still love God and I can still serve God and I can still do this even though I know it's not as bad. I, but he, he understands. So A is the event. We jump to see our feelings about it or our actions about it. We have a belief, though. This one often developed by our culture, and this belief says this. What I want is more important than what God wants. So if it makes me happy, I mean, ultimately, it'll be okay. Now, every belief that we have Every belief that we have inside did not just happen. Here's the crazy thing. We individually, even as a child, all the way through the rest of our life, we personally take that belief and we place it into our hearts. Nobody crams those beliefs in there. We actually place those in. 
We put them in our heart, even if we've inherited it from the family, or if we developed it from early experiences, or if it was something that's just culturally accepted, and we take that. We have placed that belief in our heart. We did that. And we don't think consciously about those beliefs that are there. They are just placed there and they function for us. They always interpret for us the event. So the event happens and without thinking about it, our belief interprets that and we go straight then to see, which is how we feel about it and what we choose to do about it. Beliefs in our lives are very, very powerful. Now, we're going to prove it to you. We're going to prove it with God's Word. The best place to go if we're looking for answers. We're going to go to God's Word. Jesus spoke about our beliefs. Now, let's look at this one snapshot of an interaction that Jesus had with a group of people. One interaction, and we're going to break it down and explain to you how we're now going to prove with God's Word what we just said is actually true. Matthew chapter 15, we're going to start with verse 1. And uh, James is going to have it on the screen for you because we know it's dark and you can't see your own Bibles if you brought them. So James is going to put it on the screen for us. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Then some Pharisees, these are the super religious people. They were the professional religious people. Then some Pharisees and teachers of religious law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. They traveled to go meet him and they asked, verse 2, why do your disciples, and I could just see them wagging their finger in the face of Jesus because they're upset about this, why do your disciples break all the traditions of the elders? And, and by that he's saying, why do you break the rules we've made? Hmm, Interesting. He said, they don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, this was not a hygiene thing. This was a ceremonial washing that they created. And they said, you know what? I think this is a good idea. God would really want us to do this. And they made a rule. They had thousands of those rules. Thousands of those rules that they would take God's law and they would twist it, turn it, contort it, and they would squeeze out all these other laws and say, well, if this is the law, what God wrote and told Moses, then we also need to do this, 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 and this, and this. And they had volumes of laws that were not written by God. These were written by man. And they're like, hey, listen, Jesus, if you're a rabbi, a teacher, come on now, why aren't your disciples doing all of these things that we've been doing? Interesting. And these things had become burdensome. I mean, they were heavy. We kind of talked about this at, at uh, Scott's funeral the other day. They had been burdensome and heavy. They weighed the people down. If they were trying to love God, they said, yeah, while you love him, do all these things too. And then you love him. If you don't do them, you, you don't love him. Now, the specific regulation they were questioning was this ceremonial washing. That's what was going on. And these super religious people were saying, hey, Jesus, uh, why aren't y'all falling in line with what we expect you to do, huh? Why not? And so they call out Jesus and the disciples, and Jesus responds harshly. Listen to this, verse 7. You 
hypocrites, he said. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Verse 8, these people honor me with their lips. In other words, they say good, holy things. They sound religious. They sound holy with the words they're using. And then he goes on. Jesus says, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus is saying it stops with their mouth. I mean, as far as soon as it leaves their mouth, they're done. It stops with their mouths. Their hearts are empty. This is strong. Now, verse nine, he, Jesus said, they worship me in vain. In other words, they think that they're getting points in heaven by the things they're doing and the way they're doing it and the things they say. No, they're wasting their time. No points for you. Interesting. They worship me in vain, Jesus said in verse 9. Then he goes on. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. In other words, you made this stuff up. This isn't what God wanted. You just made it up. You're not teaching God's laws. You're teaching your own rules and your own regulations. Now let's go to verse 10. Jesus, now he called the crowd to him and said, hey, everybody come in. So first he was just talking and just lambasting the Pharisees. Now he calls everyone together. So the Pharisees are there, these super religious people, and a large crowd. Jesus called the large crowd to him and said, listen and understand. Verse 11 now. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. Now this was big news for them because that's not what these guys had been teaching. Jesus is saying, listen guys, this is not about food. It's not about what your hands do with the food or before you eat the food or before you hold the food. No, 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 no. That's not where things get nasty. And he's not talking physically here. He's talking spiritually. He, Jesus says, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him, Jesus said, that is what makes him unclean. Now he's telling the crowd this. This is interesting. Including these super professional religious people who are there. Here's what he's saying. You are wasting your time with all the man-made rules. That's not what makes you clean. That's not what makes you unclean. He's saying you. And he would point to me too. You your mouth. And the people are shocked. I mean, to hear Jesus stand up to the professional, super religious people, these self-righteous people, they're shocked. Slowly, the crowd dissipates. They go away very slowly. Now verse 12. Then the disciples... They came to him, being Jesus, and they asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? In other words, they're saying, Jesus, we need them on our side. I mean, if we're going to accomplish what we need to accomplish here, we need those guys on our team. They're the pros. We want them at bat. 
We want them on the pitcher's mound. We need them. And you just gave them a verbal slap. What are you doing, bro? I mean, Rabbi, Sir, Sir Jesus, we need them. Verse 13, Jesus replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. In other words, listen, these guys you're talking about, they don't get it. They're following not me, not God. They're following their own ideas, not mine. These guys are lost and wandering around in their own ideas. Verse 14, Jesus says, leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both are going to fall into a pit. Verse 15, Peter, Peter said, uh, Jesus, will you explain that to us? I missed something. Verse 16, Jesus, always, always giving Peter a hard time, rightly so. Are you still so dull? <laughs> Peter, Jesus asked them. Verse 17, don't you see? Fellas, he's saying, don't you see? Whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and out the body. Uh, gross, Jesus. <laughs> that was gross. And Jesus now proves our point for today. Verse 18. But whatever comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And that is what makes a man unclean and defiles himself. Jesus is saying this. Everything Every single thing that a person does and everything they say and everything they feel is a reflection of what they are believing inside their heart. He goes on, verse 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. You know what? Th those things that you and I, that we think about, during the day that we know they're not right, but we think about them, Jesus says those come from your beliefs in your heart. And then he says evil thoughts. Then he says reasonings. When you think about how to do something that you know may be a little shady, but you think about, how can I pull that off? How can I do that without someone knowing? How can I hide it and how can I get away with it? Yep, yep, yep. Even that, we do that because of something we believe in our heart. And then Jesus says, and disputings and designs. All this planning, all these, dis all these kind of arguments. It's because of something we believe Jesus is saying, in our heart. And then he says, such as murder. Now, I, I really don't think you're a murderer. I don't. But he said, even that, 
It's because of something we believe in our heart. And we may not murder a person, but you know what we do? All of us have done this. We will kill, not a person, we will kill a relationship. Now, I'm not talking about those toxic relationships that God really wants to separate you from. We're not talking about those. We will kill a relationship that God wants us in, a friendship that will help us and encourage us and draw us closer to Him. We will kill that relationship dead because of something we believe in our hearts. And then he goes on. He says, adultery. Do you realize our faulty beliefs in our heart will drive us straight into the arms of someone that is not our spouse? It's a belief we have in our heart. Then he says this, sexual vice. It's all of those sexual hang-ups like pornography and sex addiction. Anything sexual that is not God's plan, not God's best for your life. Yep. You know why we do those things? Because we have a belief lodged in our heart. And whatever event happens, we go straight to a feeling and an action because of a belief. And then he says theft. He says we steal from others, we steal from our family, we steal from people at work, we steal from our job, we steal from strangers because of something we believe in our heart. And then he says false witnessing, which is a big word for lies. We lie. We tell lies to get out of trouble or we tell lies to get something we want, even the little bitty white ones. He says we lie because something in our heart tells us it's okay this time. We believe something in our heart. Then he says slander and irrelevant speech. Man, Jesus is hammering away. And then he says in verse 20, these are what make a man unclean and defile him. Jesus is saying it all comes from the heart, a belief. It's a heart problem, a belief problem inside of us. He said it's not the problem of whether you're following his rules or her rules or man-made rules. No, that's not the problem. It's your faulty beliefs, Jesus says to us in our heart, that create all of these actions and they destroy us and they destroy others. Which leads us to say this, what I did yesterday, I'm going to pay for it tomorrow. And there is truth to that. We can find it all through the scripture. There is truth to that. You know how powerful your beliefs are? The way you feel, the way you act, the way you think. Here's how powerful. You feel. What I feel is because of what I think. What I think is because of what I believe in my heart. 
and that's pretty much all of us, myself included. I have no beliefs in my heart that I did not put there at some time. So do you. By my own choice, your own choice, I either inherited it or I, and I placed it there or I, I, some experience I had as a child or, or young adult or it's something I just accept from culture. Letter A, something happens, whatever that is. Something happens. And then my beliefs about that tell me how I should feel and then what I should do. And that's my reactions, my C, my reactions. Do you understand how, how this works? You see, A does not cause me to feel or do anything. It's just an event. But what I do and what I feel has everything to do with right here, what interprets that event, my beliefs. Your circumstances, other people, things you don't have, things that are not working out, none of these things, none of these things determine our tomorrow. They don't have the power to determine our tomorrow. They don't have the power to give us a feeling or an action or a reaction. This event is powerless. Our beliefs have all the power. And in this series, I promise you, if you will attend this series, we're going to teach you how to change your tomorrow. Because yesterday does not have to define tomorrow. We're going to teach you how, if you will just simply hang in here with us for the next four weeks. We're going to teach you how to change your beliefs so that your feelings and your actions and reactions will change. You don't have to give up control of your life. You don't have to give up your tomorrows to yesterday. Yesterday does not have to determine your tomorrow. And we're going to ask you, will you make today a commitment with us to simply begin the process of change? Will you answer the question for you this morning? Do you really want a change? Do you want different feelings in your life? Do you want different actions and reactions when something happens to you? Or are you content simply being a victim of every circumstance and every bad thing that happens? Are you simply content with giving the power of how you feel over to the other people and circumstances and situations in your life? Or, instead, are you ready to take back control of your life by beginning to change some devastating beliefs that you have slowly placed in your heart, that you have inherited or adopted from culture or developed early in life? Are you ready to say, God, I, I will do my part 
And then I'm asking you, God, to take it. And, and will you do what only you can do? Will you take my small effort in this? And then will you multiply it? Will you make it effective as you begin to change my beliefs? You see, yesterday does not have to define tomorrow, but it will if left alone. If it is left alone, it will define your tomorrow every single time, every single time. But yesterday doesn't have to define tomorrow, but it will if you leave it alone. And we're asking you, will you join us on this journey and allow God to begin to change some faulty beliefs that we have placed in our hearts, which causes us to feel things he doesn't want you to feel and to do things and have reactions that actually hurt you and the people around you. Will you join us on this journey? I told you today, we're not answering a lot of questions, but we are laying the groundwork for God to do some amazing things in your life. And I'm just going to tell you, well, we're talking about the next four weeks. You can see changes in your life beginning to happen within a couple of days. I am not lying. I'm not hyping this up. This is not a magic spell, a weird thing. This is all from God, and it's something you can do, and it was right in front of us the whole time. We just ignore it. Will you join us over the next four weeks, and God can begin to change your life as he is doing mine. Let's pray. God, you told us that the words that we speak, the things that we do, what we feel, it comes from our heart, and that is what defiles us. And God, it is from our hearts where our beliefs live and grow, and we don't even think about them, they're just there. And from those beliefs come all of our evil thoughts, how we kill relationships, where adultery comes from, how we run into the arms of somebody else, God, that's not our spouse, for love and for comfort. You told us that's where all sexual immorality comes from, the things we look at, the things we dream about, it all comes from inside our hearts. God, all of that all of that nastiness that is in my life comes from something I believe in my heart. And you said, that's what defiles us. But God, I ask that you give us the wisdom, the wisdom to seek after you and you alone so you can change these beliefs that we have placed in our hearts. God, we trust you as best we can as we are learning how we trust you with our lives. And it is in the name of Jesus who died because of all of the garbage in my life and because of all of those faulty beliefs I have held on to. That's why you died. So that I could connect with you, God the Father, forever through Jesus Christ. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. It is in the name of Jesus that we celebrate you, God. We pray these things in his name. Amen.